best performances. And her first, did you know that? That was her very first. That was her very first cinematic. Deuce Bigelow. We watched that. I watched that movie. Oh man, I had my first kiss during that movie. Ooh. In the theater or no? Amy Poehler. It was yeah. It was in the movie theater. I had actually, um, I I had actually seen it before. I watched it Ooh. first with my brother and sister, and we thought it was hilarious. That yes. was not when I had my first kiss. That would be awkward. <laughs> Your sister was there on brother the other or side. Sister. Brother and or sister. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, we, I, we thought it was hilarious. It was just the three of us. I was in, like, eighth grade, so, of course, I thought it was hilarious. And uh, I thought it was so funny that when I went down to St. Petersburg to visit old friends mm-hmm. – we were walking in the mall because that's what middle schoolers do. Naturally. My friend and his girlfriend and his girlfriend had a friend. Oh, the girlfriend's that, friend. Yeah, that she brought along and she clearly was into me and we went and I was like, oh, we have to – we're walking in the mall. And it's like, let's see Deuce Bigelow. It's hilarious. I promise. So we go in there. We're the only ones in the theater and I don't know. One thing leads to another and she kisses me and that was my first oh, kiss. Oh, she made the move. Yeah, she made the move and – it was the best night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I dream about be, it nightly. I'll be sure and let Heather know that's a fact. <laughs> oh, man, that's on. That's recording. Me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's actually – we should – Blackmail. We should not cut this out. We should just we should all be go ahead. Tag it on the end. Then. <laughs> so. Okay, we're in. We're in. We're in. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Past Forward podcast number two. Dose. You made it. Yes. I'm Corey Draper. Beside me are the two people you just heard. Colin Harmon. That's me. And Wes Allen. Hey, cake eaters. They are my partners in crime, my co-workers, my muses. My Your everything. My everything. Mm, really. Sorry, Heather. Um, Heather is my wife, and hopefully she does not listen to this episode. <laughs> she probably will not. She probably will. Uh, this is the Pass Forward Podcast, and if this is your first episode uh first of all go back and listen to the first one what are you doing yeah. um, amateur you may you may be the kind of person that doesn't like pilots um they're always the worst so uh, mm. you know it's cool. actually no go back and listen to it it was great it's a good time and also uh, we explain who we are and what we do um but you know okay fine i'll explain who we are and what we do my name is Corey Draper. As I said, we uh all work together and we are co-workers who always love to talk about our childhoods in the 80s and 90s specifically, we love talking about the things that were near and dear to us. Usually it's pop culture things, movies, TV shows, advertisements, toys, anything that we could have consumed as American children growing up in the 90s. Uh, we love talking about it because it's nostalgic to us and it gives us warm fuzzies and it really helped us bond at the beginning. Um, and it's a, it's a thing that we wanted to pass on. It makes me so cry. Yeah, it's a thing we wanted to engage other people with because it's just fun talking yes. about these things and saying, "Do you remember this? Do you remember that?" I don't know what it is, but uh, I always bond with someone immediately when uh, I talk about these things. So I actually had something to bring up about the last uh, episode. Uh, the, actually, the day after we recorded, Columbia House went out of business. <laughs> oh, nice. And I think it's because we brought it up. Yeah, it's the end of an era for sure. End of an yeah. era. 
And I'm surprised it's lasted so long. I'm, with pr- I'm pretty proud of myself. Yeah. I don't think I actually ever paid you them. You brought so down I'm an entire company. <laughs> if only I would have paid my dues, they'd probably yeah, still be in business. But me and 10 million other people. You won. I mean, <laughs> you were on the run and they never found you, so they had to fold. Take yeah. that, Dr. Columbia. <laughs> so, you know, Columbia House is the, the, an example of the type of things we love to talk about. And, uh, we have lots, lots more goodness. Today we're going to talk about the things that we loved, the things that were bad, and the things that were outright ugly that should never be watched and should be – The Voldemort of the Voldemort. culture. <laughs> Shall never be spoken of yes, again. Uh, yes. He who must not be named Expunged. of pop culture. And um, honestly, to kick things off, I actually want to go more into – not why we talk about these things, but why they are specifically important to us. We are coworkers. We all work in a place where we are creative and do visual media. I'm a, I am a video editor. Colin and Wes are graphic designers, and um, we can all attribute our skills and our passions to what we grew up with and all of the, the media that we consumed from the 80s and 90s and how it kind of modeled us. I, for one, got into video editing because of – my love for television and movies back then, and I really was able to watch things. If you, you want to say Power Rangers, you can say Power Rangers or anything from Nickelodeon. And just as I grew watching you know, more and more mature shows, I really came to understand storytelling. I feel like – I mean I can always learn more. I'm not right. an expert on storytelling, but I – can really go back to just consuming, like I said in the last episode, The Simpsons really taught me about comedy. And I joined an improv troupe in um, in college, and I really just clicked with the people in there because of my affinity for The Simpsons and humor. And it, it kind of sparked my desire to learn more about comedy and, and improv. And that has spilled over now into the creative realm where I get to work with so many great people and really have some great input, in my humble opinion, when it comes to when we try to do funny things, when we try to do comedic things, because I, I can break it down yeah. from, from watching all the things that I grew up with uh, comedically. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I think, you know, looking at the way that I got into design. It was just doodling stuff in every book I ever owned and drawing Doug and trying to draw Rugrats and trying to draw Reptar and trying to make all the characters that I loved as a kid or at least my family loved as a kid and trying to draw them for friends or even to the point of like drawing my friends' names in lockers, which is a super old-fashioned sentence that (laughs) I think for me is one of the things where like I really started to find a lot of fun. Like, oh, and people get paid for this? Like that's insane. I can have a job doing the things that I love on television and on packaging and all sorts of things like that. And I think that's where, for me, even though I was doing it for fun then and finding out that I could get paid for it, I think was a really neat thing that the 90s brought out in me because it gave me the freedom to be super weird and be the weird kid that drew on everything and uh, put stickers on things that didn't need stickers and uh, you know, skateboard culture and music and everything. It just gave me a lot of exposure that I may have had in any other generation, but that specifically formed who I am. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, Colin, I had pretty much the same experience. Like getting into design, like naturally you, you just sit there and draw all day. Like I would sit down and not only watch like Saturday morning cartoons, but I would sit there with a pad of paper and just draw whatever I would see on the screen. And also like comic books. Like I was obsessed with comic books and I would even try and make my own comic books, sadly. Ooh. And What was your favorite comic book? Uh... I always liked uh, Spider-Man and Batman was mm. always – it's kind of cliche, but they just always had like the best kind of things. 
Uh, I've, heard of, I've heard of those. Yeah. yeah. And I and I, I even remember the first commissioned piece that I oh. drew in fifth grade. Uh, I had some friends that were into Mortal Kombat and they paid me $5 nice. to draw their favorite Mortal Kombat character. That's a good make So like – that got me the the fever to start uh, making art for money. If my mom found drawings from Mortal Kombat characters, I would have been grounded for yeah. a long time. There was no gore involved. But oh, okay. Just the well, no pixel blood. No yeah. pixel blood. Sorry. I that would cost no, extra. No, mom, it's Street Fighter. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> There's no blood. It's really funny how my parents let me play Street Fighter, but they wouldn't let me play Mortal Kombat. It wasn't yeah. the fighting they had a problem yeah, with. It was the pixel blood. It, it was, was the pixel blood. Yeah. Which, have you seen the most recent Mortal Kombat? It's terrifying. Yeah. It, like, can give me nightmares. Oh, yeah. at, like, it scares me to think that people sit in an office and not only think of that, but actually have to, like, sit there and obsess about making every vein in someone who was just cut in half. <laughs> what does the inside of a spine look like? Yeah, I Let's mean. do research. It's terrifying. Well, and what's funny is that we're looking at that now and we're like, Holy cow, that's super graphic. I would never let my child play this. That's probably what our parents went through because yeah. back then they were used to Pac-Man just yeah. eating up little white balls and Which being chased by – why our society is so fat now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Pac-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Pac-Man and Mrs. Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Where is it Miss? Is, is it Miss or Mrs.? I think it's Miss. Miss Pac-Man? Yeah, I don't think they're, they're – They're not married. Are they brother and sister? You should probably know yeah, this probably. given the fact we're doing this podcast. Wow. But. Yeah, I feel like somebody's going to rail on us for this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that should go without saying that we are not experts on this stuff. <laughs> we just like nerding out about it. You're right. And we like talking about it. So if you want to get nerd rage on us, be easy on us. We're not yeah, experts. We're, we're not 80s, 90s experts. We just love this stuff just like you guys. You're going to hear a lot of, oh, yes. You remember that one thing? I'm not sure when it came out. I'm not sure what the character's name was. I don't know. We're basically going off of our memories here, which I feel like you know, I, I at least hope would bring more of an organic feel uh, and more of a conversation feel. So we're not doing a whole lot of research here. So uh, go easy on us when we say something. And I think I said a few things in the last episode that were incorrect. But, uh, you know, it's all in good fun. Accurate. Accurate. Um, but anyway, to the, to the previous point, I, I really empathize with my parents because, they, like, they were so used to these Atari video games. And here comes Mortal Kombat with this pixelated blood yeah. and that was, or doom. was there any or yeah or, or doom which yeah, one came, doom. which one came out first you know more, probably doom. doom i think doom was first yeah, yeah. Um, but so, that was mainly like a computer game that's pc game so at least like Mor- mortal kombat was more mainstream yeah kind of thing yeah mortal kombat it's was at game. least the the most or the, probably the first console or popular po- console game that actually had blood in it and yeah. that was like yeah at a, least that i remember falling sure. to our parents and I feel like we're going through that now and it's just kind of cyclical. So it's also kind of makes me scared for the future where it's like, okay, once our kids grow up to be our age, you know, what are the things that are going to appall them? Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I'm super glad that it's real blood now and not pixel blood anymore because that would – my parents yeah. would still be so mad if it was still <laughs> pixel blood. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if that ever comes back, we are in – Oh, we're in deep mm. trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, sorry for the tangent, but uh, that was a very interesting point. It's always great to talk about this stuff, and I think uh, every episode we're going to try our hardest to kind of have some sort of structure around it so it's not just a bunch of tangents like this one. Uh, And specifically, we're going to try to do kind of games or ways of bringing in our favorites and our least favorites things things from the 80s and 90s. And uh, a good example is what we're playing right now. It's called Good, Bad, Ugly. 
But oh, ba, ba, ba. Yeah, I was just about to ask you if you could make an intro song <laughs> yeah. for us. That's we, Colin right there. I got you. We will have uh, intro songs probably in the future. Um, more yeah. Let's probably have sound more of a Western, Western theme. There you go. Um, good, Bad, Ugly, uh, starring Clint Eastwood. For the good, we're going to talk about things that are undeniable, like that are just great things that we would recommend. We stand by them. And uh, for the bad, we're going to talk about our guilty pleasures or things that are so bad that they're good. Mm. You might lose a lot of respect for us after we talk about those, but we're all good here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and for the ugly, like we said, it's kind of the Voldemort of pop culture, Uh, things that we just want to throw in the vault and throw away the key and just – we never want to talk about them after this podcast ever again. Yeah, just so, don't want them to exist anymore. Yes. So, so who wants to go first? I have no problem going first. If you All guys right, want go ahead. All right, so my good thing that I feel like was a big, in a weird way, inspiration for what I do now was the Got Milk campaign <laughs> as a conglomerate. Which is kind of crazy to think that like there was no milk brand. It was just like all these milk guys across the country got together and were like, we need to pump some milk into the American culture. <laughs> and they did that by asking us all if we had their product, yeah. which is pretty brilliant if you really think about yes. it. But like that became one of the most quotable things that I can think of. Like I remember any time that my mouth was full, it was a pun on the Aaron Burr version of all of that. Like, oh, let me get some milk. Right, yeah, like, every yeah. time. Like the Aaron Burr one was awesome. And I feel like it just became synonymous with desperation for me as a kid. Like I thought it was just brilliant. So so this commercial that you're referencing, Aaron Burr, it was a, it was a Got Milk commercial. And um, it, it was definitely the most memorable one. It's a guy sitting around and he's stuffing Oreos yeah. in his mouth and he's listening to the radio, right? Yeah, and he works at an Aaron Burr museum. Yes, it's like clearly in a historical museum with all these paintings on, on the wall mm-hmm. of like colonial times yeah. and battles and stuff. And he hears on the radio a trivia question like who shot Alexander Hamilton in whatever battle or whatever it was. <laughs> and – uh, this guy knows, and then like he does he call him or does he get called? He by the gets radio called. St- he gets called by the radio station, and it's like, I don't, did they see the prize that he wins? They, uh, they basically win like a certain amount of money, and they couldn't understand his right. answer. And so if he would, he goes like, hold on a second, let me get some milk, and he goes and gets the milk, and it's empty, and he just freaks out, and then the radio hangs up, and that's the commercial, right? <laughs> yeah. So he he's on the phone, and they're asking him, and he he just goes, oh. <laughs> Because his mouth is full of Oreos and Something it's just like that, basically yeah. got milk. He would, if he had no milk, he would have been able to say the answer to the to the trivia and would have won the prize. Yeah. And, they, and they also had like all the print ads, right? Oh, yeah. That was the other side of this whole thing that like for me, like who didn't want to see like every beautiful person or sports celebrity or like anyone that was anybody in the 90s with a like – Really suspicious milk mustache, yeah. like is really what it was. <laughs> yeah, and like no one ever got a milk mustache unless you're like drinking half and half. Yeah. But I think what was so magical is like it really did create the awareness of milk mm-hmm. as a weird thing. Like it milk did. got famous in a weird way. And I remember they would do these elaborate things to get that look. Like they did all oh, this I'm kind sure. of paste kind of things and all this like random stuff to yeah. make it look that way. Mm-hmm. There was some milk mustache science involved. Well, yeah, and what's what's great about it is it was relatable. Like we were all kids at one point, and we all just had to learn how to drink things. Yeah. And before we learned how to drink things, we would have milk mustaches and Kool-Aid mustaches. I mean, everybody can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, again, it brings it back to the nostalgia portion of it. Yeah, which, it totally does. I think what was so interesting for me is, like, I realize now how influential that campaign was. And, like, you know, one day as a designer or as a creative, I hope to actually make something that influential on culture, which will never happen. But it's a great, great thing to shoot for. But I think what was so interesting, even then as a kid, is – 
it was still sort of irrelevant to me because I never drank milk out of a glass like that. I always had like a straw or it was a carton or I went to school in California. So it was a bag of milk. <laughs> like there's all sorts of stuff that you stabbed like a Capri Sun. Mm-hmm. And so I never drank it with milk mustache, but mm-hmm. it was still relevant. Like I understood the idea. Did they so. really have bags of milk? Yeah. You oh, yeah. I don't remember that. A little sack of milk. So it was oh, yeah. like a Capri Sun? Yeah, huh. but it was literally like not – it no. was just a sack. Yeah, it was just like this – Enclosed plastic sack like, that, like, with no like insert straw yeah. here. Think if you, you filled a Ziploc bag full of milk or yeah. any other liquid, and you just had to like pick a spot and be like, <laughs> stab it. I remember for like a small, uh, like a very short time, my school switched from the cartons to the plastic bags. But it was a very short time because the kids would always stack the packages of milk and try to stab, <laughs> try to stab the straw all the way through. It's like a Game of Thrones episode, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, which obviously would go horribly wrong, sure. and there would be milk everywhere. And then, yeah, I mean, it only lasted a few weeks, and then we were all sad to see the cartons come back. Fantastic. But anyways, yeah, that's my definitely like good thing that was a huge influence on me. I drank a lot more milk because of it. Like, yeah. Magical one. Yeah. I think the the good for me, as I kind of mentioned it last time, I kind of butchered the name for some reason. That'll happen. Uh, was Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mm, yes. And Still like I said, that kind of like – I always kind of viewed it as like a special club. Like if you know about Mystery Science Theater 3000, mm. then like – It's like knowing the secret handshake on that. Yeah, exactly. It's like you get for sure. kind of a thing. Uh Gosh, uh, if you don't know what this is, well, first of all, what are you, what are you doing uh, listening to Pause this Pause right this now? podcast. And go watch And go it look it up and watch go it. Google this. But if you don't know what it is, uh, it had a guy named Joel and he got sent up into space and by mad scientists and they would force him to watch really bad movies. And he eventually – I guess he, they, they say the plot in the, the in intro. The song, yeah, so yeah. if you watch the show, you know the first 30 seconds what it's about. But he built two robots – uh, Tom Servo and Crow, and there's a couple of other ones. Cambot, Gypsy, Gypsy. And, and they Crow. would, <laughs> and they would, they would sit there and watch these bad movies and just do the most funny commentary on these things. And I really feel like that made me like appreciate bad movies on another level. Like I can sit here with my friends and just like make fun of it. You the can make whole a bad time. movie yeah. good. And. I remember when I was in middle school, me and my friend were obsessed with this show and we decided to do our own version of it. Yes. We, we uh, took some action figures and taped them to the front of the TV, set up a video camera wow. and uh, we tried to pick out the most random movie he had, which was Rocketeer. Yes. <laughs> and so we played Rocketeer and we did it the entire movie and just sat there and just made fun. It was terrible. Fantastic. But like, I wish I had that tape right oh, now. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. The it was VHS. so funny. And uh, now they, it lasted from uh, 1989 until 99, and it was on the Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. And uh, but now they have a thing called Rift Tracks, where they is basically a website where you can download an MP3 of them, yeah. kind of making fun of any popular movie. Now yeah. you sync them up. Yeah, sync them up like Elton John and uh, or is it uh, Off the Wall and and Wizard of Oz? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, uh, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Yeah, Pink yeah, Floyd. Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, so it's called the combination of the two is called Dark Side of the Rainbow, uh, where you can uh, sync them up. And, I see what they yeah. did there. Yeah. Anyways, so and it, the only one that I have listened to with Rift Tracks was the Star Wars Holiday Special. That's the only way that I can get through the Holiday Special. It's so bad, but if I listen to the their commentary track, it makes it somewhat bearable. That's funny. But yeah, 
That's a good one. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's fantastic. I, I think that's a great idea for them to like stay relevant by, you know, it, with the media we have now or the, the ability to just like download something and then play it alongside a movie you already have or oh, that you can also yeah. download. I mean, that's it's it's a brilliant idea. It really I love is. it. And I mean, it kind of takes away from – I mean, it was fun watching the show and seeing, you know, the figures, the silhouettes in front of the screen right. down there where they're pointing. Yeah. And, uh, they and, interact with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, something that always kind of weirded me out was, was it Crow who had the weird kind of like – Yeah, know, he had like a fence on the back of his yeah, head or you, something. Like a uh, – was it a – not a – Badminton. It's like one of those, you know, there's things where you, it, the scoops, like a highlight scoop or something, but yeah, like on the yeah. back of his head. And his mouth was a bowling pin. Yeah, yeah. And so crazy. his silhouette, sometimes my eyes would play tricks on me where he would look around. And it's like, wait, is he facing us or is he facing oh, the screen? I hate that. And yeah, I would start focus on. That. I would be so distracted. I'm looking uh, at Crow. Crow. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> two episodes are my favorite that you should probably check out. Check out is Pod People mm. and uh, Laser Blast are my two favorite ones. Uh, mm. see, my favorite one is This Island Earth. The yes, movie from the movie, absolutely yeah. the best. So yeah. good. Yeah, which we referenced in the last one. Mm-hmm. That's actually the only one that was memorable for me. I mean, I. I have a terrible memory, and yet we're, this is a podcast all about remembering things. <laughs> Here we but, are. like, for that one specifically, it was – I would always just catch it when it came on, so I didn't really, like, obsess mm. over it. So I don't re- remember all the specific episodes. I just remember bits and pieces. Yeah, I think that's but, the one you would see multiple times, so it would be yeah. more – you can quote it more. But I yeah. feel like everything's so quotable. Yeah, that, yeah, so, yeah. So good. Huzzah! <laughs> Huzzah! That, that's a great one. Mine is – my good is actually something that is a medium that I didn't really interact with very much. It's a video game that came out for Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of great ones to choose from, such as GoldenEye. Like that was, I mean, N64 mm-hmm. had some like really, All the staples. really great games that just are still, to this day, people will go back and play them. One of those games for me is The Legend of Zelda, nice. Ocarina of Time. Yes. I am not a big gamer, um, and this game was addictive to me, and I just – I fell in love with it. I loved playing it. I loved watching people play it. Actually, my first interaction with Ocarina of Time was my friend bought it, and I just sat there and watched him play it and go through it and figure all the things out, and it was captivating to me just watching him play it because at the time you know n64 was still pretty much in its infancy and it was still kind of blowing our minds that you could go around in this huge 3d map world oh yeah and you can like ride a horse to go faster and all these great intricate things and it it, it would take forever to beat and it was so intricate that you needed a guide really to an online guide to make sure you did everything in order and they power brilliantly included time travel in it so just in case you did forget something you could go back in time and solve whatever you missed but uh legend of zelda man like i i want to get a 3ds just because now they have you know kind of the throwback games for 3ds that you can oh, yeah. play and that's one of oh, them they have throwback ones now? and uh wow, that's yeah awesome. and you can play ocarina of time on a 3ds and to me that's awesome i would love to be able to play ocarina of time on the go and i don't get into games like this i play madden and yeah, uh, RPGs I play, are their own thing for sure. Yeah, and I, I just usually I think the only other one I can kind of compare it to is Halo. But the the thing that cap- captivates me about Halo is the multiplayer. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Legend of Zelda, you know, it's just a single player. You go through the map, and I love it. 
That's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a game I ever really played because it's an RPG, like RPGs, Final Fantasy, all that kind of stuff. I just never got into it. But yeah. I yeah. agree. Like, I had tons of friends that like that was the game they worshipped and like probably dreamed about and it was awesome. And honestly, I mean, they – I don't – I'm not a gamer once again, but like – I don't know if there will ever be another Zelda that comes close to it because I have played some Zeldas after just to see if it would kind of compare in, on different consoles and, and it's just like, oh, it's just not the same. <laughs> but it's probably just because my memory of the first one is so yeah. uh, Got some extra so endearment awesome. there. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, what's your, what's your bad, Colin? All right. So my bad is more of like a – My bad. My bad. Uh, is the one <laughs> – that's the one that I jumped into. I jumped into this both feet, like into the pool – I was in. Yeah. And that thing was mini disc player. Ooh. I had a mini disc player, which let me break. Okay. So the very first one, I did a little homework for coming here. The very first one came down from the, our friends at Japan from Sony in 1992. And I don't think I got one till like 98 um, was the thing. But um, the thing that was so frustrating about it is it had its own like proprietary format. So it wasn't MP3. But it wasn't a CD either. Mm, yeah. So you could only write to them. But the huge draw of it was it was – like there was no skipping in it. It was like – that was my huge qualm with CDs is that there was a constant skipping. So if I'm trying to like skateboard or run or walk or play basketball or whatever. Yeah. Constant skipping. Frustrating. So – but they had this whole format called A-Track 3, blah, 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 blah. And basically what it did is it would – they had a software that would convert your entire library into this format. And I'm like, sure, whatever. It's just as good as MP3. Why not? But it was actually like the first thing that ever did DRM. And so it totally ruined my entire MP3 library at the time. <laughs> and like you had to rip all your CDs in because they didn't sell like, you know, in sync on anything. Like they didn't sell it on mini disc. Like no record labels other than a couple small ones really adopted it. And so you had to make all your own mixtapes. But like I went all in and like I got tons of mini discs, like converted my whole library to mini discs <laughs> and like everything. And it's pretty much been expunged yeah. by iPods. I remember, man, like that. that was that I was like, that was the future. It's that kind was. of like laser discs in a way where it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, I don't know really what it is, but it's flat and it's circular. Yeah, and it's, cool it's you know, <laughs> there's a movie on there. <laughs> yeah. And you can fit a lot of data on it, sort of. Um, yeah, those. Those came and went very quickly. Oh, yeah. I forget what they look like. Were they like actual like small discs? They were like, like the, small CDs? No. Well, yes, but they were in a cartridge. They were, yeah, in this oh, sort yeah. of like see through okay. cartridge. Yeah, I see. Yeah. 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 Totally. So the cartridge had that inside it, and I don't know. I just went all in. Like they were nice and stackable. You couldn't scratch them. There was mm-hmm. a lot of advantages. Mm-hmm. And then the real advantage was MP3 players. And uh, it just got frustrating because I remember like the first time I converted my entire library. I couldn't play any of them in Winamp anymore. Oh, no. Which, which is a hilarious sentence, too. <laughs> and I couldn't put them in Winamp anymore because I could only play them in their stupid software, whatever it was called. And um, so Sonos or something. I can't remember what it was. But anyways, that was something that like actually ruined my music library while converting it to a mini disc. What am I going to do with all these skins I just got? <laughs> <laughs> skins. It really kicks. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, man. That was an unfortunate that's, scenario and season that yeah. I'm like, That's a good bad one. Yeah. That's it a was good, terrible. Yeah. That's a good bad. All right, mine is kind of cheating. Uh, I did an actor, and that actor is Polly Shore. Mm. Oh, this is man. both both uh, so bad it's good and a guilty pleasure. You I I'm going to go on record and say I'm a Polly Shore fan. Mm. I you know I go back and forth. Yeah. I go back and forth. I'll see a movie that he did, and I'm like, oh man, he just that he just so perfectly 
encapsulated the early 90s yeah, so exactly. well. A lot of denim. And then it just took a dark turn somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You should see uh, Wes's Polly Shore tattoos. Yeah, exactly. Nice. The thing that uh, – like everybody loved him in the early 90s. Like you couldn't find anybody that, couldn't, that didn't love him. And like my sisters thought he was like gorgeous and all this, like his flowing hair and everything. <laughs> and like he was in Encino Man, yeah. which like I can't walk by a slushy machine without thinking about who's in the juice. No, no who's in the juice. <laughs> and he was in Son-in-Law. And I think where the turn happened was he was in And Then Army Now with Andy Dick. Mm. And he shaved his head yeah. for the part. His and luscious locks. I feel like along with his hair on the ground – Went wow. his career. And his legacy. Like everybody was like, oh, I have no respect for you anymore because you don't have long hair. Polly Shore, modern day Samson. Yeah. Yes, Ew. exactly. Yikes. Samson his career, Delilah. <laughs> and then like he was in Biodome. I love Biodome. Yes. I think it's hilarious. And uh, uh, he was with Stephen Baldwin, yes. which is a funny thing. Uh, and he Comedic won- genius, mm. Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> and he actually won a razzle for that. For uh, Razzie? Bio- Razzie. Yeah, yes. Razzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Razzle, that's a candy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he's so sad now. You, you like watch oh, him yeah. anything. He just seems so depressed. Like mm. I remember watching him on a MTV Cribs and he's just kind of moping around looking at old pictures on the wall and be like, remember when I was somebody <laughs> and I was friends with him? He toured you through his museum he lives in. And, and he even made a, a mockumentary about – Faking his death because, like, he was so bummed out that, right. like, he was hated by all of Hollywood. Oh it's, it's just so sad. He tried so hard to get relevant again. I mean, yeah. He had a, a real, quote-unquote reality show. Yeah. I mean, it was very staged. Minding but, the store. Minding the store, yeah. Uh, and it, it was. I watched a few episodes and it's like, oh, that's how he, like, weaseled his way into fame. It's like <laughs> Nice little weasel pun. Yeah, exactly. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, that's uh, a sound he used to make, not what a weasel makes. But um, his his mom used to own the comedy store. Yeah, yeah. which is crazy. In L.A. And so he just grew up around these stand-up comedians. And so he just knew people. Uh, and yep. I don't want to, you know, he got famous. Uh, well, was the first thing being on MTV, being a VJ? Yeah, he had, he had a show called uh, – Totally Polly. So I don't know. Uh, I don't want to character assassinate Polly yeah. Shore. No one wants to do that. Let's be honest. No, uh, no one does that. But he just kind of I, it, watching that that show. It was like, oh, he's kind of always been around famous people and new people. So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, like he was basically babysat by like Richard Pryor yeah. and like Robin Williams. And, and I think he before. started minding the store as kind of a way to endear himself to people um, because it was kind of like his fall from fame. And how he's trying to climb out of it. And there were some episodes about how he was trying to, you know, get more parts and trying to expand his acting chops. I remember there was an episode of him trying to do – trying to get cast for something. I don't know what he's trying to get cast for. But his audition tape was uh, reading for like the black uh, godfather or something like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But it was clearly staged and anyway. Yeah, it was sad. Yeah. But he always kind of reminded me of like that friend that you have that like nobody else really got or liked but like you got them and like he was just kind of your personal friend. Like he always kind of reminded me of that kind of person that like had a good heart but he was Mm -hmm. just kind of off a little bit. But he was – only you thought he was funny. Yeah. But he was in like – let's stop talking about his fall from grace and you're right because people thought he was hilarious. And man, his 15 minutes, I mean – 
it was great. He's more back famous then. than me. That's for the, sure. You know, Encino Man, he was, you know, okay, so he's in in the army now, but he had Son in Law, which actually was a pretty good movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, That's given, you know, it's very early 90s. Um, with some other and the language he was like his like own poly language he would yeah. speak was just great. It's oh my gosh, it's so it cracks me up every single time I hear him talk. I feel like the last great thing he did was a goofy movie. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. The yep. Leaning Tower of Cheese. That, yeah. That's fair. And then that was it. Yeah, at least in my memory. Yeah, I can't remember anything after that point. Yeah, another good bad. Yeah. Another good bad. Well done. All right, so I'm going to go super obscure. All right. Uh-oh. I went very mainstream with my good. And I'm going to go pretty obscure with my bad. It was a show on Nickelodeon that I used to watch all the time. And it was called Space Cases. Oh, yeah. It had the Black Ranger in it. It had the Black Ranger. Yes. Um, which sounds not, – Not, not racist way, Black yes, Ranger. But but <laughs> see, that's what they did to us. Uh, Saban or whoever made Power Rangers – they it were, makes you seem racist. They were racist, they which then makes us sound racist, where it's like, oh, the Black Ranger was they, black. The Yellow Ranger was Asian. Asian yeah. um, but anyway, yes, they had the Black Power Ranger. The color that he wore on his uniform was black, but he also was a black man. We're um, really backtracking. Oh, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> did, you, did you say black track? I promise. No, I didn't. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it, it not only uh, starred the Black Ranger, but it uh, also starred Jewel State, who some might remember from the TV show Firefly slash the movie ah, Serenity. And another space show. I, I feel like – and it, what's funny is when I got into Firefly and I started talking to people about Firefly, I was like, yeah, and it has uh, Catalina from Space Cases. And I remember like, what are you talking about? The first sci-fi um, thing that Jewel State was ever in, at least I think, was Space Cases. That's what I knew her from. She was a teenager. And it basically was a TV show – that was think of it as lost in space, but for school children that yeah. included school children, mm. and it's man, it's so poorly made. Yeah. Like it is so bad. Uh, it it was very 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 low budget, and it looked kind of like they just all the props and sets they just pieced together from the tr- from the dumpsters of the back lots of Nickelodeon Studios in yeah, Orlando, it was basically Florida. Like cardboard, basically. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just I think there was. I remember there was one where it was like a, a throne or a chair or something that was clearly made entirely out of CDs. <laughs> um, but it was the future. <laughs> it, little did I know. It was just so. I mean. It's bad, but it, I think it really encapsulates something that was bad, but I still kind of stand by because I – and I am just going off my memory of it, but I I loved it. I loved watching it and it had guest stars like uh, George Takei who I didn't know who he was back then, but I think it had Mark Hamill in it at one time. And mm. uh, it was uh, – to me, it was very interesting and it's about these school children who are kind of misfits and they are kind of – I don't think they start on detention. It's kind of like they're told that they – that they can't go on like a uh, on a special mission in their space academy school, and the teacher kind of leaves them alone. But all of a sudden, they see out the window that this alien spaceship kind of docks with their space station, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, let's go check it out while we're unsupervised." <laughs> and so they go, and it's, there's like this light bridge. I remember that they just walk across and they get in the spaceship, and it looks like abandoned, and they start touching it, and it lights up, and um, and somehow. And one way or another, they are, are chased down by I think two of the teachers or like the teacher and the principal, but something goes wrong, and all of a sudden they're lost in space, 
and the rest of the series is about them trying to get back but also like there are these misfit, misfit students that are trying to learn but also they can only control the ship not the adults because they're the ones that first touched the ship and <laughs> oh I mean God. it makes complete sense. And it had like really bad CGI yeah, really of the spaceship and everything. Bad yeah. CGI and I remember there was – a kid from Uranus and they always like made fun of him. I hate being from Uranus. I'm the butt of every joke. Uh, um, super 90s jokes Just right like there. perfect. Per- uh, to yeah. me, it's perfect. Uh, and it only lasted like a season, right? I, a like, season It didn't last two. long. I yeah. think maybe two. But uh, I loved it. I, I remember absolutely. it always come on at like a random time, like on a Sunday afternoon where like when like you know, nobody is watching TV. I think it – I want to say it came on at SNCC at one point. Did it? Wow. I could be wrong about that. Um, maybe You might be right. I maybe I'm just trying to that. justify why yeah. I watched it. But uh, yeah, that's uh, it was, it's pretty bad, but I'd st- I will still stand by it. I just looked it up and you were right. They had crazy budget constraints and they used almost all the props from the show Are You Afraid of the Dark? Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's so much <laughs> they did and literally. It's funny because they never did a space theme for <laughs> right. For Are yeah. You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. So they did literally just like rummaging through the dumpster. What can we use? Yeah, it says in other episodes, more mundane props were used as in the episode Homeward Bound, where the character Susie is sitting in a chair with compact disc pasted together. Co- yes, CDs. <laughs> During I the first it. season, electronic games such as Lights Out were used as control panels <laughs> on walls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had light bright for oh, their yeah. screens, and Seriously. so and also the, all these students were from like different planets. So like the Black Ranger was from Earth, and I know Jewel State was from I think Saturn because she had rings in her hair. Like her hair was very colorful. And yeah, she was like, like rainbow. Animal. Yeah, I, that's the thing I remember most yeah, about yeah, the yeah. show is her colored hair. Yeah, because nineties. Because nineties. Yeah, Gosh, that's fantastic. So, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's a good pull. That's I mean, you, you get. I think you could probably look it up on YouTube and yeah, just watch. I just watched the yeah. intro too, and I feel sadder inside just from watching. If, it. I mean, if you like the kind of like just terrible production quality, cult classic style, yeah. cheesy. Uh, anyway, if you've never seen it before, you'll probably watch it for five minutes and just be like, "I can't do this anymore." Mm-hmm. You'll go blind. Yeah, it's true. So give us your ugly. All right, oh gosh, here so we go. My, so my ugly. I was going to just say Baja Men and then like throw the mic against the wall, but that would be kind of a waste of the next few episodes. Uh, I, we all appreciate you for that because yes, it's true. now we all have – Who let the dogs out? <laughs> Who cares? Thank you. Answer the question, man. Um, but my real ugly, the thing I never want to happen ever again. I never want to see this thing. I never want to use this thing ever again. And I see you guys remember it. It's the Papa Point Pencils. Where you have like all the little teeny things inside there that are a sharpenable bit, and then you pull out the bottom one, uh, put it in the back, and you smash it into the pencil, and then you have another sharp point. And there were just like probably ten or fifteen different things inside of a pencil that were sharp points. Did you guys ever have those? Yes. I and don't know if I did. Are you talking about like a mechanical pencil, or is it just kind like- of like here? If you look it up, you can look at what a pop of point pencil. It was basically is. like a lead tip that were like, like uh, I don't know, like. You would reuse them, not yeah, reuse them, but like you use them up, and then you would get another. It's like a little cartridge kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I and remember the, having the, those like, yeah. in school. I remember having them in school, and I remember being like, "Oh, this in theory, the idea seems great because apparently, when whatever world these were made in, sharpeners are not a thing." And I remember being like, "Oh, okay, I kind of understand this," but then it was infuriating. Because if you lose one of those little things, like if you happen to drop it on the floor, it rolls underneath the desk, your pencil is ruined. You can no longer use your pencil because it needs all of them to have the pressure to, to hold the bottom through. one down. Ugh. And so if, like, so not now when you once had a pencil, you know, now you have like – you're holding this little teeny shard of graphite to try to take some <laughs> test 
you know, and like trying wow. to get stabbed, and you're like, you're trying to like, and you what? can't borrow a cartridge from the person next to you. No, nobody else had this. It was like one per classroom, basically. Yes, they needed all cartridges for their scenario as well. And so instead of holding like you know an actual pencil anymore, you're holding like you know some poor shard of graphite instead of like a writing <laughs> implement, like a gentleman when you walked in. And so like, I just have no idea why it was a thing. Like I don't know if it came over from another country or like they mm. had like a bunch of other small bits of pencils. They're like, I know we can monetize this and we can turn it into a bunch of smaller little bits of pencil or I just think feel like it solved a problem that nobody had that if I ever have to hold one again, I'll just punt it into the street. Like <laughs> I hated those things. I feel like I got in trouble for them in school more yeah. than anything. They're like, I need a pencil. I'm like, oh, Carl didn't bring a pencil. <laughs> I was like, I have a pencil, just pieces of one. <laughs> like, it was so And if you like only have the cartridge, you're like holding that little tiny white piece. Oh, that yeah. Has. I mean, you're like, you're like hobo <laughs> testing or something like that. Like it was, it was rough times in the 90s for that kind of thing. So I mean, anyways. The way I'm relating in my mind is just like – I. Who knows why I ended up with a piece of lead instead of a mechanical pencil? But I do have, <laughs> <laughs> I do have a memory of trying to write with just that piece it of lead. It keeps breaking. <laughs> Should have gone with point nine, but I have point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did nice. you ever do that thing with a me- mechanical pencil where you'd act like you're giving a shot to someone? Oh yeah, like totally. You, you you like extend it out all the way and then you hold the end of it and put it yeah, in your yeah, arm yeah. like yeah, I'm shooting up. Oh, I'm doing drugs. Oh yeah, gosh. I think those were like a huge part of it. Even why now, which Wes kind of makes fun of me, which is totally fine. But I think it's why a huge part of why I now I'm like a super pencil, like mechanical pencil and a good pencil junkie or like I have so many pens it's almost embarrassing. You are surrounded by pens on I a daily basis. I love it because I'm still like in pursuit of the perfect writing implement because that one scarred me so bad when I was a kid. You're like the Tim of t- the Toolman Taylor of pencils. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I you might... have a belt with pencils. And... Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think I might be on a horrors episode in the future but just surrounded in pens. I don't know if there's a better compliment to call someone than the Tim the Toolman of something. <laughs> of <You know>? whatever <laughs> of follows what next. insert category here? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. I've been for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's all led up to this moment. Mm-hmm. All right, Wes. Oh gosh, uh, I'm going to try not to go on a tangent here. Okay, go out into like full on rage. Oh no! But I'm going to talk about Batman and Robin. Oh, um, and I'm mainly going to talk about. Why this movie ruined everything around it. Yes. Why this pile of guano just ruined everything. (laughs) Because before the 90s, everybody kind of knew Batman as comic books and then like the Adam West TV show, which is very campy and very corny. And so for years, decades, people – that was their only impression of Batman, was just like a very corny kind of superhero thing. Had no respect. And then in the 80s, uh, Frank Miller released two comic books – Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One, which mm-hmm. I will say I think that they're, they're the two greatest comic books ever mm. written. If you want to know Batman, read those uh, stories. Um, and that was the late 80s. And then right after that, Tim Burton came out with his Batman movies, mm. which brought it really – like for the time being, it was very dark mm-hmm. for like a quote-unquote kids movie. Yeah. And – before that, comic books were not taken seriously, but I feel like that kind of like be like, okay, we can actually make comic book movies yeah. that are not corny. Um, and then the Batman animated series came out, which I think oh, ne- next to The Simpsons is probably the best animated series of I, all time. You know, I could never decide whether or not I liked that show. Like, mm. it was so dark for me yeah. that I just it didn't give me good feelings as a child. And yeah, so, you have to watch it as an adult right. because even the art is yeah. great. They it, did such a good, good job. I, you of, know. Like, 
Actually, that's a good idea. I think I might go back and watch that series now and just see if it hits me in a different way and if I can appreciate it a little bit more. Well, I have them all on DVD. You can really? borrow. Really? Yeah. Yes. Well, of I've already I've already borrowed your Angus CD, so <laughs> or CD, your DVD. Yes. Gosh, I'm 40 years old, VHS. 50 years old. Gosh, you're old. But man. like in the 90s, everybody was crazy. They're bat crazy about oh. Batman. <laughs> A little close there. Uh, everybody had a Batman shirt. I even had the bat symbol shaved into the side of my head. Like everybody was obsessed nice. with Batman. And uh, it's like the the nerdy version of the Nike check. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I want to photo and, that. But after the Tim Burton, uh, they decided to use a new director to keep yeah. it kind of lighthearted. Joel Schumacher, which made it a lot more lighthearted for Batman Forever in '95. Uh, Jim Carrey was in it. Tommy Lee Jones, and for some reason they said. We want a 45-year-old Robin. So they, they had uh, Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. And they had neon lights and everything because 90s. Right. And like uh, the only thing redeeming about that movie was Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, was it Kiss from the Kiss from a Rose? Wasn't there another song that came out of that that was really uh, – what was it? Of course, I mean, of course, Kiss from the Rose was was the number one, but I can't remember that. I'll have one. to get back to you on that one. Yes, but I mean, you're completely correct. I mean, that isn't that Seal's only song. I don't know any other songs yeah, totally. from Seal. <laughs> and then I feel like at this point, Batman like totally redeemed himself. Like you know, he did all the they did all this work to make Batman respectable, and then came Batman and Robin uh, yeah. in '97. Gosh, this thing. George Clooney was Batman. Arnold Schwarzenegger was Mr. Freeze. Uma Thurman was Poison. Yep. Mm. And Alicia Silverstone was yep. Batgirl. Past her prime. why not? Yeah. It's 97. We can do that. Yeah. And the three things that people constantly rag on this movie is Schwarzenegger's ice puns. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. So Let's kick some ice. <laughs> yeah. Ice to see you. Cool party. <laughs> All right, everyone. Chill. <laughs> and the other thing was the Bat credit card. <laughs> we do so many of those. <laughs> <laughs> I think BuzzFeed actually did like an article of all of the yeah. bad ice puns that they had. Wow. But the other one was the bat credit card. Mm. And the other thing is the bat butt and the bat nipples. Yes, the nipples. Ugh. This whole thing was basically a big toy commercial. I love the, the – in, oh. in my mind, I have the montage of the, him oh. suiting up with like the turn to the camera yes, with the nipples. every the, turn. Yeah. Those things took like 15 minutes each. <laughs> it seemed like it. But yeah, it was like, it was like a big toy mo- uh, commercial. It was like we got hockey Batman. We've got sky surfing Batman. We have nipple slinging Batman. <laughs> yeah. It's just like <sighs> – thanks to Mystery Science Theater, I can appreciate bad movies, but I just – I can't get through this. Yeah. And I feel like this movie – this movie killed Batman for almost a it decade. Oh, You're right. It and it almost killed like comic bo- book movies for good. Yeah. And at the same time uh, – Tim Burton was was booked to make an, a Superman yeah. movie, Superman Lives, yeah. and it, it sounds like such a joke. It was going to star Nick Cage yep. and have a script from Kevin Smith, and uh, and I think that's the only thing that I can say about Batman and Robin. It stopped this from being made. Right? Yes. Oh my gosh! I, I recently watched. <laughs> Thank God. I recently watched the documentary about this. Yeah. Uh, it was good. I want but to watch like, it. there's so many bad choices that could have happened yes. with this, and oh. I mean, if you if you've never seen it, go YouTube Kevin Smith's explanation on his kind yeah. of like his journey through trying to write the script for Superman Lives and how messed up Hollywood is as oh far as gosh. producers who don't know what they're doing. It's mm. 
it's fascinating the way it gives a great glimpse into how Hollywood works. And Batman and Robin, man, I remember when it was coming out, I remember being really excited about it as a kid. We used to listen to this morning kind of shock jock radio show um, when I would go to school and they had this kind of Hollywood guy, guy this like Hollywood insider guy. And I remember he was talking about the production of Batman and Robin. And I don't know, I never actually fact checked this, but I remember him saying that, you know how uh, they'll show kind of like a preview or to a test audience of a movie before they release, like six right, weeks before right. they're, yeah. and sometimes they'll, if it really sucks, they'll go back and re-edit or mm-hmm. they'll change some things, reshoot sometimes. Apparently they showed Batman and Robin to a test audience and it was so terrible that they had to do that. They had to go back and re-edit it. Wow. And still, whatever they pumped out <laughs> yeah. was the worst. So this was the better version. So this Gosh. was the better version of what it what it actually was. Um, and honestly, I could – you know, Batman Forever wasn't that great itself. I mean you had – It was OK. It, it was at least watchable. Yeah. I feel like that was the beginning of the end where it oh, was yeah, like yeah. very cartoony. You had Jim Carrey who obviously yeah. he did fantastic. But he yeah. is thr- still cartoony mm-hmm. as – as uh, uh, Riddle, what is it? Riddler. Riddler, thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, oh gosh, that was really bad. Yeah, that was yeah. a painful and, one. And if this movie would have been successful, successful, they would have made another Batman movie, mm. which I just heard about like like a month ago. Really? It was going to be called Batman Unchained, and it was going to be <laughs> Unchained. Is he, a, is he a slave in yes. the 1800s? And... Close. Mm. Uh, and Scarecrow was going to be the villain, and he was going to be played again by Nick Cage, Oh. Like, oh my gosh. Oh like, my gosh. what does Nick Cage do when he reads a skip, script like, hey, uh, we got the script for you. Uh, yes, definitely, definitely, yes. <laughs> yes. And oh, it man. was going to have a cameo of every Batman movie villain thus far. <laughs> it was going to have Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, Riddler, Two Face, all of that. Oh and Harley Quinn was going to be uh, played by Courtney Love. Oh my gosh. That's actually pretty good. Yes. <laughs> I can actually see that. Like, I would have been interested to watch all this, but. Uh, Gosh, that could have been crazy. Bat- <laughs> Batman Unchained. Yeah. The B is silent. <laughs> oh, that's awful. How terrible. Oh, man. That's a that's a good poll, man. That's some yeah. great facts you brought up. Ugh. I've got – I don't know if my ugly can live up to that one. Yeah, that's a doozy. Um, I don't know if I can go as in-depth with it as to like the history behind it. But we all remember that one song by Chumbawamba. And I'm actually not referring to that one song, which wait, there's other songs. There was that other one. What was it? <sighs> there were. There, I don't know if they ever ever actually released another single, but they did have a full length album. Yeah. That I got for my birthday, <laughs> one year, and Played thanks, mom. I listened to it once, and it was so bad. And this is I'm you know sixth grade or whatever it was, middle school for sure. And my friend gave it to me, and I felt obligated to listen to it. And listen to it more than once just so – I'm a very empathetic person. So even though he wasn't around me, I was like, man, he gave me the CD. So I'm just going to try to try to like it. And it was also one of my first CDs. But it was the full-length album by Chumbawamba. I'm not sure if it was called Tub Thumping or if it was just a self-titled Chumbawamba. Tub Thumper. It, it tub, was called. Tub yeah. Thumper. I remember that one. So yeah, Tub Thumping came from, came from it. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Okay, you know what? We look back on it. Oh, it's a terrible song. But when it came out, I, I it was admit, all the rage. I liked it, and I, you know, when I got the CD, I was like, "Oh, cool!" You know, I hope there's more songs like it on here. The songs on this album, guys. I mean, I would say go and check it out, but just do yourself a favor and never listen to it. Oh gosh, I can't even imagine. It had such brilliant lyrics as, "Do you suffer from long-term memory loss?" 
I don't remember. Oh my god. That was the chorus of one of the songs on this album. Oh my god. And it was just awful. I don't know if there's more things I can say about it other than like it, it was I mean Shambawamba, I mean they can't they were a European band, I think and I think they were a punk band before they uh, yeah. got big, which is a weird thing to think of. And it was I mean think of um uh, no, I'm blue, a double D, double die. That song, it's kind of like that kind of music, yeah. but less catchy than. And it was, it was awful. It was terrible. I would listen to it while playing video games. I would just, I probably listened to the full length album five to ten times trying to like it, and it yeah. just never worked. I was on the other end of that. I actually bought one of my friends that for <laughs> their birthday. You're that <laughs> so, friend. Yeah, <laughs> we have a shared universe here. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Stars glide. Oh my goodness! Yeah, That's amazing. So, so yeah, just never listen to that album. Never watch Batman and Robin, and never get one of those pencils. I yeah, think is stupid pencils. <laughs> the conclusion we've come to. And so, point pencils. I think that's it. I think that wraps up our good, bad, ugly for the the day. Absolutely. Insert music stinger here. Yeah. That's all we got. And uh, that wraps up our number two. I think that sound effect had more budget than the entire (laughs) – everything we just mentioned. Yes, Yes. Chumbawamba album slash uh, Batman and Space Cases. Space Cases for sure at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks again for listening, guys. Once again, uh, you can follow us on Twitter um, at PassForwardCast. Did I get that right? Yes. Um, Password Podcast on Facebook. You can email us. Again, we want this to be interactive. If you want to talk to us about stuff you remember, if you want to correct us on things that we got wrong, which we probably did, you're free free to do it. Just be nice about it. Um, And uh, let's see. Do we have anything else? Social media that they can – I don't think so. What is our email? Uh, PassForwardCast at Gmail. Com. Okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah, so thanks for I'll, asking. I'll email you. Uh, yeah, I, just uh, Google it. I'm sure it'll come up. No, that's uh, probably not. You know how you Google emails? Yeah. <laughs> Passforwardcast at gmail.com and, you know, give us – you can talk to us, chat with us, give us uh, examples of your good, bad, ugly. And when we p- play this game in, in the future, it'll be more pointed. We'll have a television category. We'll have a music category, toys category. And uh, we'll get as obscure as we possibly can but yes. also try to get a little bit more mainstream for those of you who are kind of on the fringe uh, of 80s, 90s pop culture. And uh, be sure to listen to part three and part one. All three of them should be released right now at this moment. Our plan is to release our first three podcasts all at once. So enjoy your... <laughs> smorgasbord. T- yes, because it's never happening again. We're going to... Binge listen. Yes, binge listen. And... Uh, we're, we're probably going to shrink it down to once a month that we will record these things. And uh, it should give us a lot of time to prepare, hopefully, and yes. <laughs> read your emails and uh, chat with you guys and be better at this. Yeah. Uh, bear oh with boy. us. <laughs> bear with us. It can only get better. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. So for now, goodbye, so long, farewell. Bye! Wow, that was loud. Yeah. In my ears. <laughs> Adios all. Later, snorks.